With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hold the line. Stay with me. Hey, folks, what's going on? What's going on? Don't worry. That's not the police chasing me in the Kivus. I'm actually in downtown L.A. on 7th and Broadway. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's been a very interesting uh, 24 hours, all, all the emails and people texting me that they enjoyed the show. Then they were like, hey, wait a minute. 23 minutes we went into the show. You went off the air. What's going on? You sure you're not in, you know, on the border of Rwanda? Trust me, I'm not in the border of Rwanda. What happens that we got so many calls, so many emails that we actually went offline. The server went down. So, you know, I promised you guys two hours. I gave you 23.5 seconds yesterday. So today I'm going to finish off this groove and have a good time. And, you know, just basically do what we want to do. Now, you folks out there in cyberspace, I want to say thank you for your patience. It was uh, technical difficulties trying to get on air here. There might be a conspiracy from some unknown entity. But if you have a phone, you can call in at 1-646-595-2892, 1-646-595-2892. You want to chat with me, you can uh, chat with me also online or instant messaging if you want, SK Dibenga, Yahoo. I'm on Yahoo all the time doing what I do. So, folks, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? The DRC. What am I going to talk about? The DRC. My name is Saeed Kesi Dibenga. 7th and Broadway, downtown L.A. I was born in Kinshasa. Um, I'm a Hollywood movie producer out here in California, uh, working on a film called Once Upon a Time in the Congo. And basically what I wanted to discuss with you guys or give you guys a forum was, you know, we call this an inconvenient truth or it could be a convenient lie depending how you look at it. And what's the most inconvenient of this truth is that people, it's really not about an ethnic conflict. It's really, really, really about the minerals in Eastern Congo. That's all it comes down to. But as the UN envoy said some time ago, that because people aren't starving to death in California or New York or Miami, because people are still able to go downtown and buy their diamonds, buy their cell phones, buy their PlayStations, buy their Xbox and those things, as far as they're concerned, there's really no catastrophe going on. Now, the world has been saying there's a catastrophe going on. A lot of media people have been saying that there's a catastrophe going on. Um, people in, you know, great writers and author, uh, a gentleman by the name of Dave Donaldson out there in New York, he put together a book called Hearts of Diamonds. And let me tell you, if I could get a hold of that book to make it into a film, Academy Award nomination, if not the winning, because I, from what I've seen about the book, and if you look at the prior show, there's actually a link to Amazon where you can buy the book. And I believe I have it up again today on the, uh, the homepage. 
it really talks about what's going on back home in reference to linking the mercenaries, multi-corporations, multinational corporations, and foreign governments. And we mean foreign. We don't just mean the West. We mean some of the governments bordering Congo, Rwanda, and Uganda, to a certain extent, Burundi and Zimbabwe. And he talks about, you know, corrupt politicians. And that's the kind of story, when I mentioned that to a few people, they were saying, you know, we need to get that story out. And I think that's what's hurting our cause of advocacy in the Congo. I think what's happening is that Rwanda took the advantage of using Hollywood, Hotel Rwanda, sometimes in April and uh, 100 days and things like that, to visually show people this is what happened in Rwanda. Now, there are some truths that was left out of Hotel Rwanda. There were some truths left out of sometime in April. But people will respond to what they can see. You can have a, you can have a conference and things like that out there in um, D.C. or L.A. or Chicago or Houston, whatever. And that's good because you, need to, you, know, you want to reach out to the academics, the intellectuals that have a passion, not those spineless academics like Wamba Diawamba. I'm talking about those real academics like my uncle uh, in Tadalaja in Zongola out there in D.C., those guys who've been talking about what's been going on. But we have to have a hand-in-hand um, approach to this in reference to raising the awareness to the people here of what's going on in DRC. So on that end, we have to use the media. My brother Omekongo, as I mentioned last night, which I didn't realize we were actually off air because the server went down from somebody causing emails, and I'm getting the emails, and I'll get to the emails. He's been talking about this through his spoken word, uh, omekongo.com. You can see what he's been doing. Um, he has a song, Welcome to the Congo. I'm going to bring that in a little earlier, um, uh, in a few minutes. Bear with me during our first music break. Uh, my younger sister, Shaumba, with OriginationInc.org in Boston. Um, when she does, when she has her students, her, her colleagues do their performances, she talks about the cold tan and those things, you know, not where it's so overbearing what people can't understand, but just enough for people to say, hey, look, what's this cold tan you're talking about? What's this casserole you were talking about? What's these blood diamonds you were talking about, you know? Because now when you say blood diamonds, people think Sierra Leone, they think uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, and that's not the Sierra Leone that I know of through my friends like Siata and Sadiq Abu. Now when you mention Sierra Leone, blood diamonds, blood diamonds, blood diamonds, hands getting hacked off. You talk about Rwanda, genocide, genocide, genocide. Not the beautiful people of Rwanda, Bahutu, Batutsi, Batwa. Now you talk about Congo, what do people say? Hearts of darkness, hearts of darkness, hearts of darkness. That's not the Congo member. Hearts of darkness, as those that don't know, is applied to a book about Robert Conrad. Talk about the darkness in someone's heart, uh, the lead character in the book whose name escapes me. But now people have wanted to apply it to, to the DRC, which is right in the middle of the continent of Africa, surrounded by nine countries, you know, nine countries third largest on the continent. But the funny thing is, when you look at the Congolese flag, that gold star, when it was the Belgian Congo, the reason why the Belgians put the gold star, because to them, Congo was the light of Africa. So you can see the contradiction in the history, but you can see how even now the Congo, not the beautiful Congo that I remember in Kinshasa, or Kisangani, or Shaba, or Menyema, or Kasai, not the beauty that I remember, now Congo is being said to be the heart of darkness and it's ethnic conflicts and the Tutsis don't like the Hutus and the Hutus don't like the Tutsis and everybody's corrupt and everybody's getting raped and everybody's getting murdered and everybody's... You sit and you say, what can we possibly do? What can we possibly do? Well, I think 
may we need to set this off a little bit in, in the proper way. In the beginning, you heard our uh, Now We Are Free by Lisa Gerard. It's from the movie Gladiator. You probably heard me in the back while I was saying, hold the line, stay with me. We'll get to that in a moment. But let's see if we can loosen things up a little bit here and um, you know, give you a little knowledge of the game, all right? Ome Congo, you in the house somewhere? I know you had something. Welcome to the Congo where the players play And politicians robbing like every day For that diamonds and gold, timber and oil Can't forget the cold and you find in your cell phone and PlayStation Yo, it's a crazy situation But since y'all don't get it, let me give an explanation See, the Congo's so poor because it's so rich All the minerals and the whole world, they want it That's why you don't see it on the daily news Cause you'd be outraged if you thought of abuse Like one time to talk like Geronimo Pratt, son In hopes that we can see some action last yeah, it was only covered by Anderson Cooper But I guess you have something else to do, bruh The five nights it aired from 10 to midnight Maybe if it was on Oprah, you'd have seen it ride But old cover the Congo in 2005 Had Lisa Ling live on the scene, no lie Said the violence here is the world's big secret It was shown in broad day, but I guess you didn't peep it Yeah, yeah, this is for Patrice Lumumba Dr. Dabingo Asai, Dr. Galela Wakabongo Anybody out there fighting for the Congo to be free, yo, let's go! Welcome to the Congo where the slay is slay And innocent folks dying like every day For all the Jews we be Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Woo. Every time I hear that, I remember when I first was, uh, we were shooting this movie. We're shooting it now, Once Upon a Time in Congo. And Ome Congo, you can go to his MySpace, also myspace.com uh, slash Ome Congo. He has said, hey, you know, here's some cuts I just did. Wait a minute. Hey, I have a message here. Dave Donaldson, he's out there. Uh, thank you for your words. Thank you for your words. Uh, folks, I want you, if you have a pen and paper handy, I want you to write this down. Um, you can, he has a blog spot. It's Heart, Heart of Diamonds. That's heartofdiamonds.blogspot.com. Heartofdiamonds.blogspot.com. Go check it out. He's always posting stuff up there about Congo. He's always posting things, uh, showing the love, showing his interest in what's going on. And unlike a lot of people that just talk, 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 he took the time to put together his blog. He took the time to put together some archival information. He took the time to put together this book, uh, Hearts of Diamonds. And let me tell you, if, if I can just get my hands on that, <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I'll do that book as is. And, you know, you all know how I am. I don't like blemishing the truth. But coming back to my Congo song, Welcome to the Congo, he had, I had listened to it one day, and it's a mix, I think, of a song by Ludacris. I'm not exactly sure. Um, Ludacris is a rapper from Atlanta. And when I heard it, I said, oh, my, I said, listen, I got to use that song. You know, I, but it's a mixed song, so it could be used free, what have you. But I want to use it for my film. So we actually use it to introduce a scene in Once Upon a Time in the Congo where the two lead characters meet. And, it, and I remember when we played it back for the actors in the scene with the music, they were saying when they heard the beginning of the Welcome to the Congo, they said, hey, we're ready to go to war right now. And that's what I mean when it comes to the struggle of Congo. That's what I mean when it comes to how we can impact people. Maybe 20 people, 30 people, 40 people, 50 people go to a conference about the DRC. You know, when the conference starts, they'll talk about Wing King Leopold. And then they'll go to the Belgian Congo Free State. And then they'll get to Mobutu. They always want to go back. Okay, we can't change the past. We know the past. We know what happened. All right? 
Leopold, you want to know the history of Leopold? Here's his Leopold. Leopold took over Congo, never stepped one foot in Congo. When he took over Congo, there was 40 million Congolese. When the Belgians took Congo from Leopold, there was 30 million. He basically wiped out 10 million of the population. Mobutu, uh, he, took, he came to power. He sold out uh, Lumumba and two of his colleagues when they got um, in the coup d'etat. He was a dictator for over 20, almost, my God, 20-something years. And he died of prostate, prostate cancer in Europe. Okay, this is the history of Mobutu. Okay, I'm sorry, I forgot another part. Uh, he didn't want to build roads in Congo because he was afraid the army was going to use that to overthrow him, particularly neighboring countries such as Angola and those other countries. Okay, this is the history of, of, of Mobutu. Now, let's talk about the beauty of Congo. Kinshasa was like basically the Paris, uh, no pun intended, was the Paris of, uh, of Africa. You know, Kasai, Shaba, Kisangani, Bukavu, Goma, the, the Kivus, Ariantal, Ituri. We had our conflicts here and there. You know, Mobutu did have the, some of the Katangans turn against the Baluba when he was trying to manipulate the ethnic conflicts there, which led to a program of, of mass killings of the Baluba and a forced exit of the Baluba, Baluba back to uh, Kasai and back to Kananga, many of whom have never been there before. They were born in Katanga. That's what Mobutu did. Mobutu also looted the country to the point where I believe he had more money than the, the gross national product of the country itself. Of course, when he died, you're still wondering where that money was. So there are a lot of things that could be said about Congo in the negative, in the darkness, but we have to remember the beauty of the culture, the women of the culture. When you talk about Congolese women, what comes to mind now? Rape, rape, rape. Well, my mother, Dr. Angelela Wakabonga, Shaumba, Masenga, Mwadi, uh, Esther Raja, Sangu, you know, Aunt Musao, Congolese women I've known, Elizabeth Katunda in Boston. When you talk about Congolese women, there's strong women in the culture, the backbone of the family. Why do you think they're raping them now? 40,000. Why do you think they're, they're trying to destroy our, our, our culture? They don't want us there. Remember when Africa was, when it was dividing the lines in Africa in the European conference in Berlin, no one wanted Congo because they thought there was nothing there. Now because there's something there, everybody wants Congo, but they don't want the Congolese there. So now we have to understand with the media, welcome to the Congo, where the slay is slay, or once upon a time in the Congo, through a play or through Hearts of Diamonds. Again, go to heartofdiamonds.blogspot.com. Go check them out. You know? Moise Cheney out there, Friends of the Congo, Lorraine Thompson up there in, in, in Michigan, Fumu up there in Oakland, Nita Valley, if I'm pronouncing your last name right, Nita over there in D.C., Congo, uh, Congo Global Action, Franklin Katunda, Dr. Martin Kabongo with Leisure Bolela, they're building a clinic in Kasai right now. You don't hear those things because if you, if, you only, if you don't hear the good things that's been going on, if you don't hear about people that have been fighting for the culture of Congo, you're going to think it's hopeless. You're going to think it's some big, complicated mess of people just killing each other and fighting each other and not knowing what to do. No, 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 no. Why am I broadcasting today? Why did I broadcast last night? To demystify this rhetoric that's going around to give you an inconvenient truth. Another inconvenient truth is that Laurent Nkunda, who is over there in eastern in Congo, in the Kivus, and the Kivusians have suffered beyond belief. So I'm sorry, one of my audience here is, wait, is, has a sign up, wants to know, 
So I have some people that are around me that are listening, and also they want to know what's the death toll right now. Uh, Seven point four million. Now some people are about to, before you get your pen, you start writing me and say, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, we have a problem here." Um, if it says been five point four million, uh, no, let's 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 correct something here. Let's let's correct something here, okay? When the war went from 1998 to 2003, and that includes the conflict with the Ugandans and the Rwandans in Kisangani, where 600 people died, the International Red Cross, they did a study of how many Congolese were murdered during that, just that war. We're not even including 96. We're talking about 98 to 2003, when the second invasion came with Rwanda and Uganda. They calculated 5 million. I'm not making this up. You can go online. You can call the International Red They said 5 million back in 2003. That's not including the Congolese thrown the river, the mass graves, burnt alive, annihilated, can't find, hiding in the mountains, hiding in the forest of Arunga. The International Red Cross, not the International Said Red Cross, the International Red Cross calculated, estimated in 2003, 5 million Congolese were dead, murdered, killed. Now, from 2003 to now, 2008, the numbers at that time, from, 98, from 1998 to 2003, was 30 dollars a month. Now it's about 40000 So do the math, my mathematicians out there. It comes out to 7.4 million. 7.4 million Congolese. Now, of course, when you go to some, you know, websites, whatever, they'll say, they put in parentheses, they'll quantify it, they'll say, well, that's through death and starvation, you know, through hunger and starvation and not ever getting medicine. But I'm sorry, people, death is death. If I'm lying there starving to death because Nkunda or some Rwanda-supported rebels or Uganda-supported rebels are cutting off the food supply, I'm not saying to myself, well, I'm just start dying of hunger. I'm dying. Case closed. Another thing. Congo is a population of approximately 63 million. There's about 10 million Kibushans right now, Sud Kibu and North Kibu, South Kibu and North Kibu, correct? Okay. Um, this might surprise a few people. In Kunda's troops, only total 4,000. Let, let me repeat that again because I just got another email of someone saying, could you repeat again the amount of Congolese, of the amount of troops in Kunda has? Well, of course I will. <laughs> In Kunda's troops total 4,000. There's 10 million Kibushans. You want me to sit here and be convinced that 4,000 heavily armed Rwandan-supported militia members who are not all just Tutsi, you have some Nande in there also. You're going to tell me that they can occupy and cause so much trouble in Congo? Without support from somebody, i.e., that'll be our friend uh, Kagame across the, the, the border into Rwanda. Let me bring down some numbers to you. In Kunda's Tutsi rebels, 6,000. The FDLR, the Rwandan Hutus who fled into the country after the genocide in Rwanda, six to maybe 7,000. Many of them weren't even allowed during the genocide, but they joined the group anyway. So you're looking at about 13. Nero has about 17,000 troops in the country. The DRC Army, 50,000. Now, we'll take out the ones who were militia members first. That brings the number down to about good uh, 30,000. You're going to sit there and tell me that Nkunda is going to cause this much problem with about 6,000 troops? Give me a break. 
let me tell you what's happening with Nkunda. Anderson Cooper, who I have much love for when he went over there to interview about the culture, about what's going on. Much love for him. Um, what is the young lady, Ann Curry, when she went to go talk about what was going on in, in DRC. All right? She interviewed the women of, what, of, of, of and getting their story and stuff like that. Ben Affleck recently went there. We'll get to him in a moment. Angela Jolie with uh, my friend John Prendergast went there also, correct, to talk about the stuff. But let's come back to Nkunda. When Anderson Cooper, who I have much love for, much deep respect for, so this is no fight against him, when he's interviewing Nkunda, he's doing it for journalistic reasons because he wants the world to know what's going on. But he's not realizing, and maybe he does, I haven't never spoken to him personally, but he's not realizing that Nkunda knows for a fact this interview is going to be broadcast to the world. So he's using Anderson Cooper as his spokesperson inadvertently. This isn't anything Anderson Cooper. I'm not Anderson Cooper is doing what he can to make sure he's not using that capacity. But Nkunda is being strengthened by the fact that phone calls are coming in from Reuters reporters. Phone calls are coming in from reporters that want to know this, that want to know that. You understand what I'm saying to you? So it empowers him. If you ignore him, who's going to care? Now, recently he said, we're going to, you know, if, if Kabila won't negotiate, this is our Joseph Kabila, the president. He said, if Kabila won't negotiate, what? Negotiate with me. We'll just declare war. And we'll take over Kinshasa. Let me explain to you uh, the ludicrousy of the dichotomy, if I may speak like an intellectual, of that statement. If I'm standing in Kinshasa and I'm walking down at the market and I say, I'm going to declare war against President Kabila and take over Congo, I'll be in Makala prison within 10 minutes. And it'll probably be the last they've been seen of me. That's a treason against the country. But there's Nkunda saying that. Now, when he speaks to our brother Anderson Cooper, he says, uh, Nkunda says, it's not my fault that I was born Tutsi. Well, it's your fault that you're betraying the country. Because a lot of people seem to forget when, there was, when, when, Kabila, when the President Kabila put an arrest warrant for Laurent Nkunda, he disappeared. Guess where he showed up a week later? In Rwanda. And there was proof because there was a picture of him in Rwanda with Rwandan troops. So when people want to say there's proof that Rwanda is supporting Nkunda, but Nkunda says there's no proof, let me tell you something. Kabila's not arming Nkunda, and he knows Nkunda from this time when they both served in the Rwandan army. Basically what's going down is Paul Kagame wants to have a proxy state in eastern Congo. Paul Kagame, the gentleman who led the RPF in the invasion of, uh, of Rwanda back in 1994, the man who was indicted by a European judge for shooting down the plane that stopped the, 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 the genocide in Rwanda in 1994, Paul Kagame, General Paul Kagame or President Paul Kagame, whatever you want to call him, this guy who's one of his, there was an indictment, uh, rest warrants out for several of his, of his, uh, of his uh, uh, administrative uh, colleagues, one of whom was arrested in Germany a few weeks ago, Paul Kagame basically just wants to be the big man in Central Africa. To do that, he needs Congo. If he can't get Congo outright, then the next best thing is a destabilized Congo. Now, he'll, he'll want to go out there and blame the French for, well, the French betrayed us for the genocide and things like that. Yeah, okay, whatever. Kagame's biggest ally was Claire Cook, who was part of the British government. 
Now, even Britain is starting to say, Kagame, you know what? Your lies are ridiculous. It's time for you to get back to reality. No one's buying this yang about you want to get down. You want to destroy the way you want to destroy, destroy the Rwandan Hutu. Because the inconvenient truth was when Rwanda was occupying eastern Congo with the help of, of Depo Shen, Wamba Dea Wamba, Onusumba, Olegenkoi, those guys, uh, Zarius Rubera, the number two, another Congolese pussy. When they were occupying the Kivus, they weren't trying to hunt down the Interhamwe. Go tell your friends that. They weren't trying to destroy the, the, the Rwandan uh, Hutu army or the Rwandan army that was in Eastern Congo. Go tell your friends that. They went into business with them to exploit the country. Case closed. That's the truth of the matter. Go find a map. Look how big Kivu is. And look at the occupation zone that the, the Rwandans through RCD Goma maintained in Congo. Look how big that is. They were able to basically almost occupy almost a quarter of the country, but they can't, that, that's millions and millions of Congolese, but they weren't able to destroy 5,000 former Rwandan Hutu from the army of Rwanda. What does that tell you? He had no intention uh, of destroying them. It's just a convenient excuse. Here's another convenient excuse for you, another inconvenient truth. Joseph Coney the guy that's been basically just terrorizing Uganda for the last 20 years, correct? Right. He's more valuable to President Museveni alive than he is dead. Because as long as he's alive, then President Museveni can, spend, can justify spending more money on the military. Right? Okay. So, why is it that Joseph Kony, who's raped, murdered, abducted, sodomized, slaughtered, empty out villages, empty out towns, empty out people. Why is it he can sit in the bush and say, well, I will negotiate with you only if you take off these international arrest warrants that's hanging over my head from the ICC and the Hague. Now, do you think Saddam Hussein, the late Saddam Hussein, was going to go on the television and say, uh, excuse me, I will surrender only if the Americans will withdraw from Iraq. Uh, no, the Americans said, we know you're there, we're going to find you, and that's it. Do you think the Taliban over in Afghanistan, well, we'll release power as long as uh, nothing happens to us. The Americans said, no, we're going to get rid of you. Now, let me bring it back to the continent in reference to Joseph Kony in Uganda and Savimbi in Angola. And I'm tying this all into Congo. I want you to look at the, the, the big picture, not the big convoluted picture of, oh, my God, they've been, it's a tribal conflict and the Tutsis and the Hutus don't like each other. And it's always been tribal conflict. People, that's garbage because what am I going to say? The inconvenient truth is Javier Armana, the president of Rwanda, was president for 20 years before the plane got shot down that killed him and the president of Burundi, another Hutu. He had 20 years to annihilate the Tutsi if he really wanted to. He didn't. Congolese in the eastern Congo were going to Rwanda, Gesenyengi, uh, Gitarama, Butari, Kigali, if I'm pronouncing the name, the prefect is right. Go hang out. The Rwandans were coming to Kivu, Goma, Bukavu. There was no conflict back, back in then. What is ethnic conflict they're talking about? Harabir Mana's main rival was the Hutus in the south of Rwanda. But now people want to say, well, you know, it's the Congolese and it's always an ethnic conflict. Oh, please, give me a break. Because the inconvenient truth is that if you're, if you're being led to believe that it's a bunch of little savages running around killing each other and they've been doing it for the end of time, then as far as you're concerned, you're going to say, you know what? Well, that's what they've been doing, that's what they've been doing for so long. What can I possibly do? But you know better than that. I know better than that. And there are a lot of people out there that know better than that who are out there fighting to do what they can. 
doing what they can. And it's not just the Congolese. Again, you have Dave Donaldson, John Pendergrass. When I met uh, Pendergrass, when I met him in um uh, in uh, Cal State Sacramento about two years ago, he spoke on the issue. We had a long conversation, and I asked him straight point, straight to the point. It was me and him. I have deep love for John, good friend of mine. Some people have issues with him. He's a good friend of mine because I remember when I talked to him, he could have stood up and walked out of the room when we had a conversation. He could basically deny everything. But he shared some knowledge with me, and he was very open, and he was very welcoming to what I was saying. And I appreciate that. And we've talked off and on back and forth about things. Now he's doing the Sudanese initiative. You've seen he went to Sudan. He's dealing with that situation. We have him. There was a, there's a, my God, there's just so many people. You have the Run for Congo. That's the organization up there in the, up in the northwest. I think they're in Oregon. You have womenforwomen.org. You know, they're doing things in the DRC for a long time, you know. So they're doing things. They're not Congolese, but they feel the love. They feel they have to do something. They're doing things around the world, but they have some, a program with Congo. Globalfundforwomen.org. Mwanamu Kenge, she's a program officer for Africa. They're doing things in Congo. You don't hear these things. Dr. Martin Kabongo with Leja Bolela. L-E-J-A-B-U-L-E-L-A dot org. is building a much-needed health clinic in Kasai. Much needed. You don't hear about that. They make it sound like Congo is just a wasteland of Congolese just, just finding each other. Now, let me come back to a little example of how Tony benefits Uganda, how Nkunda benefits Rwanda, but let me show you how Savimbi realized the areas of his ways the hard way because Savimbi was fighting against the government of Angola for years and years. Well, President Santos came to D.C. a couple years ago during the conflict and had a conversation with the then administration. I believe it was President Clinton. I could be wrong. Correct me. Someone emailed me or, call, or send me an a, a, a email or a chat, something like that. If you're online, feel free to chat. Save your phone bill. You can just send me to me. You can go to the home page, hit chat, get into the room, and I'll answer your questions that way. But anyways, Santos had a conversation with the, Angola, uh, with the American government went back to Angola. The Angolans hunted down Savimbi via his cell phone and killed him. Now, I'm not advocating murder or anything like that. I'm just saying they dealt with Savimbi. After that, basically, Savimbi's movement crumbled. Now, there were reasons why Savimbi was fighting. He felt that he should have uh, won the election that took place years earlier. We, that's another aesthetic altogether. I'm just saying that if Uganda really wanted to deal with, uh, with Joseph uh, Kony, they would have, instead of occupying northeast Congo and fermenting strife between the Lemma and the Hindu and supporting that mouse, John Pierre Bemba, they would have dealt in Kony quickly. Quickly. But he didn't. Instead, what he did was, President Museveni, is he armed, I believe it was the Lemma. I, I might have it wrong, but I believe it was the Lemma. Right? The Hema. I'm sorry, correct I'm sorry, correct The Hema against the Lemma. Now, I might have it backwards, but basically he armed one side against the other, and then he armed the other side. And during that conflict, they were fighting to get the gold, the minerals of Ituri. And it got to the point where the EU sent a French-led contingent down there to deal with this, to bring the hammer. France has its issues. We know that. France is too busy being the colonial power. Now the new president is like, you know, we're not going to go that route anymore like Mitterrand did. But France brought the hammer down to that operation. Now, conversely, though, France led Operation Turquoise that led the Rwandan Hutu uh, army, the Rwandan army into uh, eastern Congo in the refugee camps. So there's your inconvenient truth in reference to these guys in Kunda, these guys, Kony, they benefit Museveni and Kagame alive and they do dead. 
Now, I got a question yesterday from Dr. Kabongo. What's Joseph Kabila going to do about Nkunda? President Kabila's hands are kind of tied because 60% of the budget of Congo comes from outside the country. There are things he wants to do because people forget a year and a half ago he put about 10,000 troops on the border of Rwanda, and people thought there was going to be an explanation of the war with Rwanda. That's his right. It's national sovereignty. It's national integrity. But then people came running in saying, no, we have to talk, we have to talk, we have to have to talk. How long do we have to talk? How many people have to die? People, there is an excuse and an inconvenient truth for you. There's an extermination of the Congolese taking place right now as we're talking, right now as we're sitting here, right now as people are watching the football games, right now as people are playing their fantasy, as, you know, on, on you know, fantasy football, not the other kind of fantasy. That's, we don't get down like that on this station here. Yesterday, when someone was at Starbucks having their latte, coffee bean, having their, having their uh, coffee, their espresso, People are getting raped and murdered. They're wondering why is it no one is trying to help them. The problem is that people are trying to help them. There are people out here speaking on their behalf. But word isn't getting back to them that someone is thinking about them. There's a book that came out some time ago. Again, um, another um, book you want to check, Hearts of Diamonds, blogspot.com. Go check it out. Read that book. I don't care what's good. If I can get that book, make it to a movie, Academy Award. Listen. For me, it's not about Saeed Kakeshi Dabinga. It's not about me. We have too many people out there, both Congolese and non-Congolese, who are using Congo to uplift themselves instead of using themselves to uplift Congo. That's a problem. This is a very emotional thing for me, what we're talking about. These aren't just some little numbers thrown out by the international community. These are real people to me. During the occupation by the Rwandan RCG Goma in Manyema, where I'm from, on my dad's side, I'm from Kasai. On my mom's side, Kasai, I'm on top, Mujimai, my mom's side. A 727 during that 1998-2003 war, invasion we call it, was shot down, full of passengers. I had 14 cousins, blood relatives, on that plane, shot down by the same people who are with Nkunda right now. And they got the weapons from Paul Kagame's Rwanda. So for those out there who are thinking, oh, he's just sitting out there nice and comfortable in L.A., he has no attachment, he sounds like an American, actually. I'm sorry, people. This has touched me also. But I can only do my part with you in getting the inconvenient truth out there that there is an extermination taking place right now. There's a little Saeed being murdered. There's a little Mwadi being raped. There's a mother being assaulted. And there's a father being forced to watch all this right now. That's not all of Congo, but it's happening in Eastern Congo. That's not the Congo I remember. As bad as Mobutu was, and don't get me wrong, he was lame and weak, and he, I can't use some words here. I don't want to get uh, 
uh, marked off <laughs> anyways and banned from my radio station here, but our radio station. But we weren't starving to death, and there wasn't rape, murder, and pillage the way that's happening now. Now, granted, there was kleptocracy going on, millions of dollars missing and cronies being hired left and right, and people that were against the, uh, that were against his regime were being hunted down in jail. Don't get, don't, let's not get it twisted. I'm not going to say he was a... Uh, he was uh, St. John. No, no, I'm not saying that. He was corrupt as they came. But even the Congolese would have took him out if he even tried to help murder 7 million of us. What's it going to take, people? I'm not saying you who are listening in. I'm not saying those who are writing in. I'm not talking about you because obviously you have a love for the culture, a love for the country. You may have never even been there, but you feel it in your spirit to do something. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about that person who you talked to about what was going on and said, well, why should I care about Africa? Why should I care about Congo? Well, as Franz Fanon said, you know, Africa's the gun, Congo's the trigger. Where Congo goes, so does in Africa. An inconvenient truth. A destabilized Congo is better than a stabilized, prosperous Congo because China doesn't have any raw minerals. They don't have coal tanks copper, tin, and all these things. They're importing it. Where do you think they're getting it from? Africa, other countries, Congo. $5.8 billion deal they did with Joseph, uh, President Kabila that Nkunda's complaining about. Now look at China. They, oh, they bought so much uh, uh, um, bonds from the Americans. If they decide to switch from uh, American currency to the euro, you think the economy is bad now in the United States at this moment. Imagine that. Imagine what Congo, with all its resources, could do had it, had it got to stability and proper industrialization, proper leadership, proper economic minds, proper economic teams. Could you imagine the powerhouse? Here's an inconvenient truth for you. That dam, Inga Dam, in there by Kinshasa, the South Africans who sold us out under Mandela a couple years ago, and I'll come back to that, I'll come back to that. They want to help build that dam in Kinshasa. That dam, I believe, was built back in the 70s with Chinese assistance, I believe. That dam is on the Congo River. It can generate enough electricity to not only power Africa, particularly sub-Saharan Africa, they can sell off, sell off electricity to Europe. Could you imagine what kind of powerhouse Congo would be? You think South Africa is the powerhouse? Let me tell you, they'd be the low-rent district compared to Congo. People know this. Now, Another inconvenient truth. We can talk about the multinationals. Of course we can talk about them, Adastra and those people. We can talk about the foreign, gov the foreign governments. And we're not just talking about the West. We're talking about those boring our country. But if we're going to blame anybody for what's happening back home, if we're going to blame anybody that's happening in our country, we need to put the blame where it belongs, and that's with the Congolese who helped them do it. We can go and talk to President-elect Barack Obama about what's going on. And mind you, his new, apparently he's going to nominate Susan Rice as his ambassador to the UN. She's the one who basically uh, was advocating that all the allies of Congo pull out of Congo before any kind of negotiations took place. So it's very interesting to see how this, how this dynamic is going to happen with Congo. She, she become the ambassador to the UN. If you go to DRCNN at yahoogroups.com, I actually posted about you know, her and things like that, her background. And she's a very, very intelligent woman, very ambitious, uh, very astute, very knowledgeable of uh, world affairs. So it'll be very interesting. Let's come back now. 
if I'm if I if I come if I come to your house wherever you may be, and I say, look, right, I'll, I'll make you this offer. I, I know you're kind of struggling. You're like the, the third oldest in the family, and you feel you should be in charge, and you should feel you should be running the household and stuff like that. This is what I want to do. You help me take over your house. I'll put you in charge. And you help me do that. Are you going to blame the police? Are you going to sue the, the state? No, I'm responsible. But who is more responsible? The person who helped me do it. None of these guys will be able to get into Congo and none of these women will be able to invade Congo unless they had Congolese that helped them do it. Those are the ones that need to be dealt with first because it sends a message out to the massive that if you betray the country, this is what's going to happen to you. Jean-Pierre Mbemba, Wamba Dear Wamba, Jacques de Belchamp, who the last I saw was in King Leopold's goals, trying to rehabilitate himself as some historian, though he led one of the most vicious militias, the RCD Goma. All those guys helped the Rwandans and Ugandans invade our country. Wamba was talking about how he wanted to fight for democracy. But ever since he's become a senator in Kinshasa, he hasn't said nothing. Making more money now than he did when he was on retirement here in the United States. What the, where's his mouth? Bemba, who's now sitting at the ICC, what did he say? In the transition. Onusumba. You know, I think he's afraid of his Aldorf. What, what has he been saying? Where's, where's, his, where's his mouth? Isaiah's Rubaris, Rubera, Congolese Tutsi, supported by Rwanda, who went down to Burundi when, uh, some, um, when some Tutsis got killed there, who was in Kagame hanging out, who was in Rwanda hanging out with Kagame. Where is he at now? Where is all these people that were saying they were fighting against the corruption? Right? Let me tell you something. We need to hold them accountable first. The Americans, they do not take traitors lightly. You betray America, they make you pay for that. Many countries do that around the world. But it seems when it comes to a place like Congo or West Africa or whatever, where there's conflict, the impunity isn't just with the militias and the rebels out there murdering people. The impunity is the rebel leaders and militia leaders that are integrated into the government. When we got invaded in 96, 98, but during the second invasion, it was the Congolese army that was defending the country with the help of Namibia, Sudan, Libya, Chad, Zimbabwe, and Angola. I'm not talking about the army right now. That's I'm talking about the real, the X-Files, the 32nd. They're the ones who was defending the country. They're the ones. But then when, to have this peace deal, it was said that we had to have this ridiculous ideology called mixage to mix to integrate the militias with the Congolese army. So now the very people who defend the country are now in the same unit with the very people they were fighting against. Well, that's like having the Boy Scouts integrated with pedophiles. And all of a sudden there's an increase in pedophilia and sexual assault. And then blaming the Boy Scouts for it. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying to you? So now we're saying the Congolese army is to blame, but the very people that are blaming the Congolese army are the very people who are saying we need to have this mix-up. What did you think was going to happen? So let me ask you this question, people out there in the world. And I have, I'm going to come to these emails very quickly because we have about 40 minutes, about 40 minutes left, and I have an email already. Someone said, can you do a part three? <laughs> we really need to hear this. Our city hall did a show some time ago. Where he would ask, I would, he would ask the question. Things that make you go hmm. So here's something I'm gonna ask you about things that make you go hmm. Why is it? And someone can answer this question if they like. Why is it 
the, the, militia, the rebel militia leaders supported by Uganda, we're talking about Lubanga and Bemba and those guys, why are they sitting up there in The Hague, in ICC? But the rebel leaders supported by Rwanda, like Nkunda and all these other guys at Wamba, are walking free, raising havoc in Congo. Someone has to be that question. Let's play a little music here for you guys. Uh, hmm. I think we need to go a little. But let's do this in honor of uh, uh, the book Hearts of Diamonds. Because the war, an inconvenient truth in Congo is that it's, the war isn't over some ethnic conflict. The war is over the diamonds. Let me give you a little break here, all right? Kanye West, you in the house somewhere? dancing over here but then they say wait a minute there's a message to this song see people and that's what i mean another inconvenient truth is that unlike unlike the image that people say rappers and those guys have no conscience some people do have some conscience kanye west amel larue did a song called congo it wasn't exactly about the conflict but she was giving love to the culture you know kanye west songs about blood diamonds and when he went there and found what was going on he talked about it said well i didn't know this let me tell you those rappers like P. Diddy and all those guys came out and talked about what was going on in reference to that people that look like them are getting murdered so they can have be iced out. You know, iced out meaning wearing a lot of diamonds. God knows what might happen. But sometimes we're dealing with some folks that just don't know or just don't care. They just want to make their money. That's, you know, you get what you get. But again, it's another example of, of how music can be used to advocate. That's what happened in the Civil Rights Movement with the Temptations and Motown and you know, Sam Cooke, you know, Freedom Train and Change Gonna Come. People might, got, might not go to a symposium. People might not go to a conference. People might not even go to a lecture. But if the music can reach out and touch them, it can touch them. Welcome to the Congo with a slay a slay. 
there's this other one that I wanted to use, but I don't have it available that Omen Congo did. I actually talked to him this morning, and I couldn't remember it, but I didn't have a CD. But it was a, it's, it's this song where he, start, he, it's a, it's a, he starts out in French, and he gets deep. So he's doing this. He, what he's doing, go to YouTube. You know, put Welcome to the Congo. Go put his name out there, Omekongo, O-M-E-K-O-N-G-O dot com. Send him an email, omekongo at omekongo dot com. See how I can work with him. We have to get, we have to get, we have to elevate the game. Now, there was a question here someone wrote me about, uh, let's see if I can read this person because they're translating. Somehow they tuned, they tuned in last night and they heard me play Dear Mama that I had dedicated to all the Congolese women. It was by Tupac. And I mentioned that, you know, someone emailed me, is, Cong- is Tupac Congolese? You can actually go and play my previous broadcast. It's on the homepage, uh, blogtalkradio.com slash Sadi and I said, Tupac, you know, imagine if he, was, if he was Congolese, but they thought I said Tupac is Congolese. So I'm going to ask this, answer this person again. No, he's not Congolese. <laughs> but imagine if he was. Here's something, uh, an inconvenient truth for uh, folks out there. Uh, we'll talk about the, the, the green people who will, like, you know, use hybrid cars and stuff like that, okay? For those folks out there who, who want to talk about, you know, saving the environment, let me tell you something that the World Bank did. They did a study, right, that showed that the DRC has the second largest swath of rainforest in the world, basically 86 hectares of area. One hectare equals 2.3 acres covered by rainforest. You know, Congo's uh, rainforest accounts for over half of the total remaining rainforest in the Central Africa region. You want to talk about going green. <laughs> it's like being an Irish in Boston. That's green. All right? Someone has an email here. What is the conflict about? The conflict is about the minerals. Plain and simple. You get the minerals out of eastern Congo. You, sell, you bring the minerals to a place that doesn't have those minerals, like Rwanda and Uganda, and you sell those minerals to the world. A couple years ago, an inconvenient truth, and you know I say that. Something's coming down the pipeline. Microsoft ran, uh, sold out. Uh, they had a shortage of Xbox. I think it was Xbox. I don't know. Don't what they made. I think it was Xbox. They, they, weren't, uh, they couldn't keep up with demand. Well, the truth was the matter was that so many Congolese was dying digging up that stuff. They, they weren't, there wasn't enough Congolese to dig up enough coal tan, those things, to make these Xbox. That's where the shortage came from. And a byproduct of digging up that coal tan is that it's radioactive, low radiation. So now there's radiation sickness appearing all over Eastern Congo. So the next time one of your friends is playing those Xbox and those PlayStations, why don't you just, you know, don't lecture them about, do you know where that's coming from? Just ask them, how would you feel if some that looked like you, particularly if they're like black American, whatever, blah, 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 was being killed so you can play that game? And the person doesn't look like you, ask them how they would feel if they knew that they were enjoying something that came at the expense of somebody else's life. Ask them that, and then just walk away. Another question here. What is the humanitarian situation like in the DRC at the moment? Bad. I think Moses and the Israelites, when they fled Egypt on their way to um, the Promised Land, had better living conditions than what's happening to the Congolese right now. It's, can I say hell on earth? I don't know if the SEC is going to ban me. It's bad. You're talking about people doing things that they shouldn't be doing, eating things they shouldn't be doing. It's horrible. Go online. Go see for yourself. 
families broken up, families hiding out the woods, families dying, families getting malaria, families having no place to go, family kids drinking out of the water that's polluted by dead bodies and pollution and urine and feces. It's bad. All right? It's bad. It's not good. The humanitarian situation in eastern Congo. And let's specify this. People, the breadback is eastern Congo. You affect the breadbasket in eastern Congo, you're affecting the, 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 the food situation in Kinshasa. All right? It's emotional, people. It's emotional. People want to say, here's another, here's another question. Wasn't the situation already pretty bad in the DRC anyways? No. <laughs> let, me, let me clarify that. There was a time you go to Kinshasa, you didn't want to come back to wherever you were coming from. Kinshasa, Congo was is the Congo. I remember I could smell the pundu like it was yes like it was yesterday. Beautiful. We had our conflicts, but what's happening in Congo? This isn't the Congo I remember. It's not. It is not. So no, the answer was the situation wasn't pretty bad. We had our dictator with Mobutu, so there was. Free, free, you want to talk about the quashing of freedom of expression? Yeah. But let's get it right. Let's get it right. Congo was not always some war, was some conflict. Congo was the pearl of Africa. Folks don't like it? Too bad. I'm speaking the truth. Go online, look at some pictures. Anyways, uh, what are the reasons for the conflict in DRC? This came from Anchorage, Alaska. Well, as I said before, it's about the, you know, the minerals. The poverty allows people to easily join those who will promise them power and money. That's why so many would join the rebel movement. So you have a grinding poverty situation. Uh, weak authority, Kabila doesn't have control of the entire country, you know, so he can't bring the hammer down the way I think he would like to. And more importantly, all, you know, the availability of arms, the, board, the borders aren't that enforced, so people can basically buy weapons from wherever and bring them to Congo. You know what I mean? So you have that situation, and then you have, again, the natural resources, you know. You have casserite, you have diamonds, you have coltan, you have oil, you have timber, you have charcoal, you have coffee, you have you know, gold. But kind of funny, you see some of this stuff being bought in Rwanda, but there's more natural resources in the parking lot behind the building I'm sitting in than there is in Rwanda. So how is it all of a sudden since 98, Uganda and Rwanda is selling gold and diamonds that they don't have in their country? It makes you go, hmm. <laughs> all right. And again, also the manipulation of communities along ethnic lines, you know. It's not just the Tutsis that are out there. The Tutsis are the main one. And let me tell you an inconvenient truth for my Tutsi listeners out there who have love for the country of Congo. Nkunda is signing their death warrant. Because you know how it basically works. The rebels come into a town. They kill everybody that supports, the, the, what's the example, the Mai Mai. The, rebel, the rebels get pushed out. And those fake Maimais, not the real ones under General Padiri, but the little fake ones, come out there and kill the people that supported the rebels. So the people are stuck in the middle. So now all those Tutsis, you know, who are out there in Eastern Congo, who are like, this is wrong what Nkunda is doing, who are, who are mobilizing against them. When the time comes for Nkunda to be removed, and it will happen sooner or later in some capacity, it may be through UN intervention, who knows, the people are going to look at the Tutsis that supported them. And they're going to expand to anybody's a Tutsi which isn't good. That is not good. The inconvenient truth regarding that is that there were times, as I said earlier, that Rwandans were coming to Eastern Congo and Eastern Congo, the Congolese would go, the Kibushians would go into Rwanda. Case closed. We have another question here. My God, please, I hope the server doesn't crash like yesterday. 
can't make out. What is the UN doing? Um, uh, how do I answer that question? On one hand, they're doing the best they can. On the other hand, nothing. I think it was Oxfam America says Munich can only do that can only be effective when there's a peace to keep. There is no peace. Now, a lot of people don't know that the reason why Nkunda stopped his march on Goma was because a couple months ago, I think last year, he tried to take over Goma, and the UN came down with attack helicopter, helicopters, infantry, and troops, and tanks, and basically wiped out most of his, his rebel movement, and he remembers that. So when the, U, when the UN, as the Americans say, wants to get down and bring the hammer down and enforce it, they can enforce what needs to be enforced, protect the civilians and protect themselves. Unfortunately, some people in the UN, particularly the Indian contingent, felt it was, you know, they were there to deal arms with the rebels and to sexually exploit the women, taking advantage of our little children. And that's why President Kabila says, if we're going to increase the mandate of, of uh, UN peacekeepers by 3,000, we don't want the Indian contingent coming back with them. And the UN in their heart said, okay, we'll look into that request. You'll look into that request. Okay. The UN stuck. They had more troops. They had less, you know, more troops in West, I think it was Liberia or Sierra Leone. And that country is about as big as, you know, Ichiri province. What's the government doing? Again, as I said earlier, uh, President Kabila's hands are kind of tied. 60% of the budget comes off outside the country. Let me explain something to you, another inconvenient truth. For those folks who believe that Congo is some little poor place of poor people. Kasai, Oriental, capital Mujimai. Forget this ridiculousness. They want to break up the, the, the provinces into like 21. They basically want to do that to make it harder to get a unified Congo. Do you know, well, let me come back. I think Bra Senator Brownback and another Senator uh, Luca maybe with uh, President-elect Obama, he was a then-senator's initiative. They got $52 million, $52 million in humanitarian aid for the Congo. He spent over two years, and I think it was to go to American uh, organizations or what have you. $52 million. Do you know $6 million a month leaves Kasai and Diamonds alone? Do the math. <laughs> I did the math. We're going to get $52 million over two years. But basically almost $76 million. Let's see, uh, let me do my math here. That's uh, 6 times 12. $72 million leaves out of one province out of Congo a year. There's a deficit. We're basically borrowing our own money. There's no reason why people should be fundraising, particularly Congolese, should be fundraising when basically the funds they need they're standing on top of. Think about that. Six million dollars in diamonds leaves one province alone, Kasai Ayantau and Bujimayas. That's $72 million. If that money was coming back into the country, what do you think Congo would be? Congo would be a power Oh my God, Congo would be a powerhouse. I think most of the Congolese abroad would go back to the country. Now, someone just sent an email. Well, we're marching here, we're protesting and things like that. Is that enough? It is enough. It can help. It can make a difference. But we need to remember something in the, in the whole scheme of things. We need to remember something here. Our voice, we can march and we can protest and those things. And I'm not saying don't do that. We had a vigil in, the, in front of the Rwandan embassy some time ago, and that was cool. And there's a march going on in London because the UN is supposed to speak now, correct? All right. But we have to remember the strongest voice that the, that the enemies of Congo, in Congo, do not want to hear is the Congolese abroad. People don't really know this, but when President Laurent Kabila came to power, the UN under Kofi Annan, who conveniently found the black box that was in the plane that got shot down in Rwanda 20 years later, behind a storage closet, so that's tell you something about the UN sometimes, 
uh, he wanted uh, Kofi and I want to do a plan where any Congolese that wanted to go back and help the country, they would be on the side of the, of the UN. Not me, but I'll say it again. Any Congolese that wanted to go back and help rebuild the country, Laurent Kabila, would be on the side of the UN. But the people that were around President Laurent Kabila said no. They didn't want that. Now, we have the recent elections where, uh, where President Kabila got elected, President Joseph Kabila got elected, right? An inconvenient truth is the voice they didn't want to hear is the Congolese abroad. I'm not talking about the Congolese who are uh, citizens of the country. I'm talking about the born Congolese in other countries. They didn't allow them to vote. People were saying, it's too complicated. We can't do it, blah, blah, blah. Let me see if I understand this correctly. The, uh, I think it was the Thumb Movement, the Purple Movement, whatever. They organized elections, and I was calling all over people to find out how we could do this. They organized people that were outside of Afghanistan to vote in Afghanistan. And there was basically, you want to talk about conflict going on. Look, look what was happening during that time. They were still following the Taliban and the, the uh, insurgents there. You're going to tell me they couldn't figure out a way to have the Congolese nationals abroad vote back home? They want, to cut that, they want to cut that voice off from the voice back home, from the people back home. They want to keep us separate. But it's funny that the spirit of the Nash of the Congolese is very interesting that even the rebel movement, Bemba and Wamba and those guys, when they were talking about partitioning the country, even Bemba and those guys said, we don't want to divide or partition Congo. Were Congolese one Congo or no Congo? So my thing is, don't give up. Don't think it's hopeless out there. We have to let the people know back home that are suffering that there are people out here speaking on their behalf for them. Don't think things are, are, don't think things are just hopeless. This isn't our lot. And we have to do something quickly because too many of these children are growing up thinking that this is what Congo is. Because most, a lot, half the population is under the age of 15. Now they're talking about troops coming back. You know, the Angolans coming in and things like that, and people don't want to see a wider conflict. It's very interesting when the Allies want to come defend Congo, people don't want a wider conflict. But when Kunta's there, basically taking town, and he took another town yesterday. I'm not sure. It was like south of Rishuru. People aren't saying anything. Now, I got an email here. Said, what about uh, President, Nigerian President Obasanjo? What about his role? He's now the envoy for the, for the African Union. Oh, please. <laughs> the African Union? These are the same clowns who are the organization of African unity. What did they do back then? Where were they for Rwanda? Where were they in 96? Oh, please. Where were they for Darfur? Let, let, me, let me explain something about the African, uh, President Obasanjo. He needs to rectify the situation in Nigeria before he starts trying to rectify the situation in Congo. Because a lot of people seem to forget that during the, the inter-Congolese dialogue that took place, or inter-Congolese dialogue that took place in South Africa to bring the 1998-2003 war to an end, Obasanjo made a suggestion that there be a rotating presidency in Congo where each rebel leader is president of Congo for one year. You don't believe me? Go online and do research. Prove me wrong. I know for a fact because I saw the documents, I was floored. So the guy that's out there who just saw Nkunda last week and said to the world, with Nkunda standing next to him, go online, go to Yahoo, look at the pictures. He's standing, he has Nkunda standing next to him. It's saying to the world, Nkunda is not the monster that people make him out to be. He can be persuaded. This is what he said with a straight face. I'll repeat that again. President Obasanjo, the special envoy for the African Union, you know, those cowards 
who are a bunch of intellectuals that have no backbone. And as far as the only thing they know about Africa is, wh- is, is where they're from and where they're at and where they don't want to be. President Obasanjo, who's done some things for Nigeria, but has never really been a friend of, of, of the DRC, last week said that Nkunda is not the monster that people are making him out to be. He can be persuaded. Really? <laughs> but why should I be surprised? Because, again, President Obasanjo is the same guy, Congolese and friends of, of, of Congo, you know, our allies of Congo. He's the same guy who felt to bring peace to Congo, we should have a rotating presidency where each rebel leader is president for a year. When you stop laughing, <laughs> it's true. So here we are today. Uh, we have another email here. They want to know the book I was talking about earlier. Uh, it's by Dave Donaldson. That's D-O-N-E-L-S-O-N. If you go to the homepage, uh, Blog Talk Radio dot com backslash Sai Dibenga. I actually have a link up there to Amazon. You can buy the book. Uh, it's called Heart, Heart, not Hearts. It's Heart of Diamonds. Uh, you can go to his blog. He has a Heart of Diamonds dot blogspot dot com. That's Heart of Diamonds dot blogspot dot com. Check out that book. Um, it really talks about what's going on there in a way like we're doing our Congo movie. Um, the film we're doing Once Upon a Time in the Congo. It's a fictional story wrapped around factual events. And it's written in a way where those that don't know what's going on but really want to know can be, can be joy. It's a thriller that we're shooting now. You can go to myspace.com, uh, backspace, Severin, S-E-V-E-R-A-N. Check out the videos. I believe I have two videos up um, in the video section. Or you can go to myspace and type in Once Upon a Time in the Congo. You'll see a rough cut of a scene we did involving two lead characters, Patrice versus Mulele. I think the next show we'll, we'll talk about, um, we'll talk more about the film. But right now, I want to talk about the Congo and not um, me. But the film is for the culture. The film is to show what's really happening, to let people know what's going on. So people out there, don't get frustrated. Don't get discouraged. Things will change, as Sam could have said. Things will change. Things will get better. But we have to stop these little petty arguments of thinking, if I want to do this, then I want to be the president. Or if he wants to do this, oh, he wants to be the president. We have to get beyond that. We have to stay together and say to ourselves, what can we do to unify the country? Because it's not just the Tutsis out there supporting Nkunda. It's some of the Nandi is supporting Nkunda. So let's not just make it a Tutsi thing like we made the mistake of doing before. What was this guy's name? I can't remember. He's, oh. His name escapes me, and I don't want to take up too much time um, of who this person is. But we have to really be careful that we don't make this into, we don't let people define this as an ethnic conflict. It's about the resources. That's what it's about. The inconvenient truth is that if we can have enough people convinced that it's a hopeless situation in Congo, that these little savages, as I like to say, the Bantu have always been fighting. We'll say, well, they've always been fighting. That's their natural life and lot. So, so be it. Oh, I'm in the guy's name now. It's uh, Kumbasu Ngeyi. He's the chairman of Nkunda's uh, militia, the CNDP political committee. Kumbasu is a Nandi, and he used to be a political reporter in Kinshasa last month. Now he's out there supporting Nkunda. So you understand on the ground how it's creating a wider conflict between the ethnic groups. But the issue is you deal with Nkunda. It's not about protecting the Tutsis. It's not about even protecting him. It's about being a front for Rwanda. 
And I know when people say, we, you know, we should persuade Rwanda to stop supporting Nkunda, you can persuade them all you want. They're not going to listen to you. The only persuasion they understand is force. It could be an embargo. It could be force of, you know what, if you can't find them guilty in court, you can find Rwanda and the people in Nkunda guilty in the court of public opinion. So the book Hearts of Diamonds touches and shows what's going on. Our film we're working on, Once Upon a Time in the Congo. Again, look for it on MySpace. Go to um, myspace.com backslash Severin. That's showing what's going on. There's another book out there by Marie Umatuza called Surviving the Slaughter. I believe she's a Rwandan Hutu who fled Rwanda in 94 when Kagame and his RPF was coming into the country slaughtering Hutus, sacrificing the Tutsis that, that were living in the Habarama. So he could take, and while they were doing that, they, the Rwanda, uh, Kagame's group killed eight Spaniards, Spanish nuns. You don't believe me? Go online. Germany's understanding the lie that Kagame's talking about because they arrested one of his top um, uh, political members in Germany on an arrest warrant. And Kagame got upset about talking about, well, they're acting unilaterally, like he tends to do. We can't have wars and suffering and drama forever. But we can't sit there and empower Nkunda by giving a foreign to speak. And we can't look the other way while an extermination goes on, people. We can't do that. What are you doing? You who are listening out there. Whatever you're doing is more than what someone else is doing. The young lady doing Run for Congo out there in Oregon, Women for Women International, Ome Congo, Global Fund for Women, um, Leisha Bolela, many or, uh, Global Fund for, uh, uh, not Global Fund, Congo Global Action with Nita in D.C., Franca Katunda, Solange down there with the Congolese Chamber of Commerce in, my, in Florida, in Miami, Tina Ngangua, who's trying to figure out how to use her media skills to tell the story. Again, Fumu up there in the Bay Area. The colonies in L.A. We are, we, you know, and our friends, uh, our friends, our allies who are working with us. Because do we really want to have on our conscience an extermination so massive that even God is angry? Don't give up. We have 13 minutes left here. If you're listening out there, I'm seeing all your emails, and I'm hoping the server don't crash again. I'm asking someone saying, I have four emails now. Yes, please do a third show. Please do a, sh- a third show. All right, maybe um, sometime during the week. I don't know. Go to the homepage, blogtalkradio.com, uh, backslash Saeed Dibinga, S-A-I-D-D-I-D-I-N-G-A. Uh, my name is Saeed Kekesi Dibinga. My dad is Dibinga Wasai. My mom's Dr. Ngalea Wakabongo. I'll go down the road probably next week. But I just want you guys to know the inconvenient truth is you can make a difference if you, if you want to. An inconvenient truth is you are making a difference because of what you're doing. If you're telling one person, that's one person that can maybe do something. Tupac Shakur said, I might not be able to start the revolution, but through my words and my music, I might be able to touch that one mind at will. I was talking to uh, Sheila Kisumo uh, down there in uh, Orange County. She has an organization. The name escapes me, but she uh, Kisumo. She's from the East. I was talking about the sellout initiative where, you know, don't use your cell phone for a day or something like that. And without missing the beat, she said, well, that's a nice uh, initiative, but the cell phone companies don't care because they already have your money for the month. So don't use it for a day. Don't use it for a week. Don't use it for two weeks. They don't care. 
They already have your money. And I didn't even think about that. And she goes, think about that. I'm like, yeah, because when you sign up for cell phone service, they usually uh, make you pay a month ahead of time. <laughs> so, but it was an issue. It was an issue at the start. Who knows what it could lead to? But the one thing that's not gonna that's not gonna help our country. We know the people who are just about the politics, and just to them, it's just it's just Congo's just some place to build their curriculum for tie, to build their CV and their resumes, to get them jobs that they would never get. They could make it anywhere else. But make a difference. Don't give up. Don't think it's hopeless. Don't think it's nothing that you can't change. Don't think it's something that's not going to get any better. This isn't the Congo that I remember. I'm sure this isn't the Congo that you remember. Whether you're from Congo or you've been to Congo, you can make a difference. Don't give up. I know you turn on the news and you see these. You see another village taken over. You see more refugees. You see young children with nothing, no parents, women just dragging themselves and men dragging themselves. But you know what? That's not the Congo that I remember. And that's not the Congo that's going to live on in eternity. There was a line that Max, that Maximus said. Someone said Congo needs a moral savior. And I always think about Maximus when he says, what did he say? He said, uh, the time for talks and half-truths are over. He said, I'll deal with Commodus, just being a republic. All he cared about was getting the guy to kill his family and bring him back Rome. Someone said Congo needs a moral savior. I think Congo needs a Maximus, and there's a lot of Maximus out there. Because who knows how many Lumumbas have already been killed, how many Mukayas have already been killed, how many Muleles have already been killed, how many Lilingas have already been killed. Young children haven't even seen their first birthday. We need and we have, but we have to uplift the Maximus for Congo. Someone that's putting something else before him. As Spock said in Star Trek, the, the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or even the one. The Congolese out there who are using Congo to uplift themselves, they might as well say they're rebels and militias. But the people out there trying to uplift Congo and make a difference, keep doing what you're doing. Change is going to come, as Sam Cooke said. You have to believe it's going to come. Sierra Leone is not blood diamonds. Liberia is not just child soldiers. Rwanda is not just a genocide. Uganda is not Joseph Kony. Somalia is not just warlords and Black Hawk Down. Ethiopia is not just some starving children with pot belly, skinny legs, and flies flying on their head. That's the media hype, and that's the media that's being pushed on you, not the media that you can be looking for on the Internet. Congo is not the heart of darkness. Congo is not some place of, of, of tribal conflict. Congo is not some place where women are just there to be raped and kids are just there to be recruited to child soldiers and men are there to be killed. That's not the Congo I remember. Because the inconvenient truth is Congo is the place and is the engine that runs Central Africa. It's not South Africa who sold out Congo when Mandela, when Mandela said to Laurent Kabila, we're not going to help you, even though when he was the president of South Africa, he was violating an arms embargo, selling weapons to Rwanda that they were using on us. Maseri, the former president, I can't even pronounce his last name, the former Maseri, the former president of, what's that place, uh, Zambia, I believe it was, or was it Botswana? I always get the name wrong. He, no, former president of Botswana, correct me. Exactly. Thank you for the correction, my email friend. An office farmer, he basically wanted to put Congo under UN administration. He was across the river in Brazzaville 
while Brazzaville was launching artillery attacks into Kinshasa. You don't believe me? Go look it up. He wanted to put Congo under UN administration. That's why Kabila didn't like him. And when Kabila wanted to organize a conference of the Francophones in Gabon, you saw what happened. But it's not about what happened in the past. It's about what's happening now and what's our, our future going to be. Things are going to change. They're changing now. The lies that Kagame has been spouting for years when he comes to Hollywood and he hangs out with, you know, Charlene Gold and um, what's his name, Chris Tucker and Quincy Jones, and he hangs out with those guys over there at uh, Hope Foundation, and all these guys say, he's the guy that stopped the, the genocide. He stopped the genocide. Well, the more the truth comes out, the less these people are going to want to be friends with him. Go online. Send me an email. I'll send you some pictures. He's treated like a guy when it comes to Hollywood. But if we can show the truth of what's happening, not just pictures of refugees, but show the story in a way of like Heart of, Di Heart of Diamonds or Once Upon a Time in the Congo or whatever stories are out there. Kimpa Vida, this gentleman, then uh, over in Europe, wrote a story about Kimpa Vida. You know him as Donna Beatrice of the, of the Bakongo. Great story. Hopefully that will come to the stream. He put a lot of passion into that. If we can show what's happening, if we can show what Congo was before it became what it is now in the East, not all of Congo, then people will say, I didn't realize it was that bad. Things are going to change. Things are going to be veiled. Things, they have to. They definitely have to. I'm going to give you a little something. Phil Collins did a song called Long, Long Way to Go. I'm going to dedicate this to what's going on in Eastern Congo. Listen to the words. Just listen to the words. I'll come back to you, but I want you to listen to the words. I'm going to do some images to this and probably put it online somewhere. All right? But just listen to the words. Heart dying in a bleach somewhere. People talk, talk, talk. Talk to me, Phil Collins. Kisangani. Then the Rwandans and Ugandans start fighting. Explosion. Bleeding in a field somewhere.
trying to move you people. I'm trying to move you. Are you going to look away or are you going to look right at it? If you're looking away or if you know someone looks in the way, they're just part of the problem. we got a long, long way to go, but we're going to get there. Like Sam Cook said, change is going to come. You know what I mean? It's going to come. But don't give up. we got a minute left. And I don't know how many people we have lost back home in the East during our time together today. But who knows how many lives we can save from our time to get today, tomorrow, or an hour from now. So don't give up. Don't give up. You have a long, long way to go. Change is going to come. All right? So listen, on that note, let me give you a little uh, music to get out of here, brighten the spirit. This is Young Dave, a rapper in Eastern, uh, he lives in, um, uh, my God, in Europe. All right? Later on, Nalingala. Je suis un peu plus de 
Bana mai ba mi kiba wa sandinga Ba mi supuna kana kimba wa sandinga Inanga moso kai ma toro yokanga Mwino na cosmos aja ko mina bahinga Soko e bien porta salang meta ko tunanga Mwana kitambu kama bilona ya ko chao na ta De fate H double L A N D Bisanto pique plan yo Ba mba pika pende Soko confirme na kinte negro sate Ato beti fata na mi kile negro sate Partout, partout, beaucoup de temps, ils sont là, 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.